to the Undead Wookiee Podcast, episode 94, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, from 1982. Hello and welcome back. The Undead Wookiee is a fortnightly-ish podcast, focusing on horror and sci-fi, but there will be times where we dip into other genres, because here at the Undead Wookiee, our nerdiness knows no bounds. Hello, my friends. We've been missing for a little while because we've had to take a little bit of a break because things have been a little bit crazy on the day job front. However, we are back and we are kicking off with a fantastic episode. Now, before I introduce my very, very, very special guest making his Undead Wookiee podcast debut, let's check out the trailer for Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Beyond the darkness, beyond the human evolution, is Khan, a genetically superior tyrant, exiled to a barren planet, banished by a starship commander he is destined to destroy. Left for dead, he has survived. Chase him round the moons of Nibia and round the Antares maelstrom and round Perdition's flames before I give him up. There she is. There she is. to go on hurting you. I shall leave you as you left me, marooned for all eternity, buried alive, buried alive. Sean! Sean! At the end of the universe lies the beginning of vengeance. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, and I am joined by podcasting royalty. Yes. Oh, wow. I was about <laughs> to apologize already. Whoa. I am joined by the one, the only, Daryl Taylor. How the devil are you, sir? I'm great. <laughs> I'm not at work, so I'm great. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. For being on um it's it, it's just i couldn't think of anybody else who um better to cover this film with so thank you so much for being on well, I, I i appreciate you uh knowing how much of a nut i am <laughs> for something <laughs> so of course we are talking star trek 2 the wrath of khan um and i rewatched this the other day and earlier in the week as well and i just forgot how good this film is well i never forget how good it is it's just you don't watch it for a minute and then you go back and watch it and then you still find things that you it's, forgot it is 
just superb. It is absolutely superb. And I can't believe it was released in 1982. That's because we're old. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of... I, saw it. yeah. I saw it when it came out, so we're old. <laughs> I mean, I I saw this on VHS um, when, it, when it was released. But it was just... It, but I just... 1982. It does not look 1982. It still stands up today. Yeah, it does. It totally, totally does. I um, I watched it this morning again. I don't think I, I haven't watched it probably for two months, maybe. Yeah. Because they did a, a um, not that long ago, they did a marathon of of, of the old Star Trek movies, yeah. and it's like a squ- you turn something on and you just don't turn it, no matter where yeah. it is. You yeah, just leave it, and that's what wound up happening. And I. Wind up watching that and and Star Trek three after it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I watched it this morning, and there's just so much. There's sub I didn't it, I didn't even realize, and I've watched this movie a million times, mm. but there's just something I just didn't realize is that he in this movie he walks around. Yeah, to every station. Yeah, as the battle is happening. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't, re- and that is such a. Um, it shows different command styles, right? Yeah, you have the, you have the admirals who usually are the worst in Star Trek, right? The yeah. admirals are usually the, and he's the, been the best admiral almost uh, that we've had, because he's the admiral that wants to be a captain. Yeah, um, and I didn't real, I didn't notice that he. Throughout the thing, he's walking around putting a hand, you know, putting a hand on the shoulders of 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 the cadets and stuff yeah. as he's as it's happening, and it's like the world is blowing up. <laughs> yes, and this dude is still walking because he understands that they need that. Yeah, like that. There's certain things that, and when he had that conversation with Spock. And Spock told him, "No, this is the thing where you you are the best person to be in command for this." Yeah. And he tried to, you know, appease his ego. That you know, Spock didn't have an ego like that. Yeah, like no, no, no. You put the best man on, you know, you put the best man at bat. You don't, you don't hold him in the sidelines. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, and then you notice these little things that he did that he does. I mean, it's. I mean, this is a, this was directed by uh, Nicholas Meyer. Yes, um, incredible. Yeah, incredible. and he does an incredible job with this. Yes, um, because following the first Star Trek movie, Star Trek: The Motion Picture, it didn't go down too well. Um, and Gene Rodden, Gene Roddenberry essentially was kind of sidelined for this one. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so Nicholas Meyer and. Is it? I think it's uh, Harv Bennett and Jack B. Sowards. Their story kind of made it, you know, obviously brought it back to. Um, it feels it feels like the most Star Trekky out of out, yeah, out the, of the films. I think because I think with with motion picture, which I still I can still sit and watch that movie. Yeah, all five hours of it <laughs> without question. Because I just don't care. I could just sit there and watch. I, I'm sitting there watching the ship. You know that I, they take an hour to get to the ship yeah. from the shuttle. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there loving every bit, every piece. Yeah. Because I'm a nut. But it 
yeah, it it's they tried to take a uh, they tried to take a TV show script, yeah, and make it a movie, and that's kind of the problem. You can't <laughs> you can't do a and they were doing multiple TV. It was multiple episodes, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. That they had taken and, and they when they probably should have just rewritten the whole thing. Mm. Yeah. And I mean the pacing in the in the motion picture is 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 glacial uh, at times. Oh, for sure. It it's, is glacial. It's, it's all set up set up set up. I mean, first it's introduction to the new world. Yeah. Right? Because we haven't been here in a in a long time. Yeah. And you know, so it's an introduction to where everyone is in this new world on top of uh, trying to do this end of the universe uh, threat yes. that they have to stop. It's like, oh, and <laughs> yeah. we have to get to stop this. It's like, yeah, we're going through all this other stuff. Like, oh, you take the ship back and you, you got, you know, you you got uh, the Spock trying to find himself and you, you know, and you have McCoy, you don't want to be here, but you used a damn trick to get him back so he has to you know be here and, and then you got uh um you know and then you got decker who you know you took the ship from him and decker's having his problems and like all the stuff is going on this is a freaking season yeah 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 this should have been a season of a show like and and it's like you, you somebody should have been there to be like you have to cut some of this stuff out yeah <laughs> I then, know you want to do this, but you have to cut some of this stuff out. And then we come to like we come to to Rotha Khan, and yeah. I think it's fair it's to say tight. it there is this is a film with plenty of swash and lots of buckle in it. Yes, it's so tight. It's you know, and you, you know, I mean, in terms of the cast, you got William Shatner, obviously, is there as Kirk. You got Leonard Nimoy as Spock. Mm-hmm. You DeForest mm-hmm. Kelly. I think he's superb in this one. I think oh, he's yeah. absolutely brilliant in it. Uh, you yes. got James Doohan, uh, Walter Koenig, uh, George Takai. Um, and then, of course, we get, you know, Kirstie Alley pops in. Totally forgot Kirstie Alley was in this. To- I know. Such a shame what happened to her when yeah. she went to the next planet. Drove her nuts. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, a shame. That's a great character. Really, really good character. I uh, know. And she was supposed to be Romulan. And, like, I, reading the backstory for, for this. Yeah. That they didn't get to like kind of put in, like you know, her being half, she was supposed to be half Romulan, half uh, uh, Vulcan, yeah. And there was going to be a storyline with that, and we never because that's why she's sort of a little bit more emotional, isn't it? Right, right. That was supposed to, yeah, that was why they gave her those extra, she would break control a little bit, she would, she would break, yeah. And then I suppose the 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 one of the greatest characters in in I think Khan is probably my my favorite villain out of all of Star Trek. He is oh, just for sure, as, and played so well by Ricardo Montalban. Oh man, he hammed it up. Oh, he is he hammed it. It's a stunning performance. And you and, realize only he, him, and and the other and the one other actor. Joe 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 Chim, I think Joe. What's his name? Joe Joe Kim. Yeah. Con second. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, Joe Chim. Yeah. No one else on that bridge says anything. No, no. However, do you know what? What I found when I did was doing some uh, writing my notes and doing some research and things. 
lots of Khan's uh, crew were actually Chippendale dancers. That makes total <laughs> sense now. That explains a lot. And I mean, you know, because Ricardo Montalbán in this, and I mean, I suppose Star Trek Two is also a film where the crew are kind of realizing they're getting older, and Kirk in particular is realizing right. he's getting older. And right. there's a brilliant moment that where you know where um, um, McCoy shows up for his birthday, and he mm-hmm. gives him a bottle of Romulan ale, <laughs> which he's bootlegging, which I think is oh, brilliant, God. which is fantastic. Breaking that—that's what he does. That's what he does. And then he gives him a pair of glasses. Ugh. He gives him a pair of glasses. The and look then, of horror. And then in that crucial moment, you got Kurt, he's looking at the screen and then he takes his glasses out and puts them on. Yeah. It's just, a, and it's so well done. And I don't think um, Bill Shatner gets anywhere near enough credit um, for, for some of, everybody talks about him being, you know, being really big and really over the top. And you get all of that. You get all of those moments in this, but there are so many little subtle moments in this. Like you said about him walking around. Yeah, he's walking around. They they cut it. They cut it. Like you barely, there's a scene where one of the cadets, he, the sparks flew in his face and he's just sitting there bawling. Yes. In complete shock. Yeah. And uh, Kirk walks over to him as he's surveying. And also the other thing about a cap, you know, being someone that experienced on the bridge, He's not only consoling each of the cadets because he just wants to console them. No, that's not why he's doing it. He's consoling them, but also watching the station to see the status of the ship. Yeah, yeah. So he knows what he's working with before the enemy <laughs> knows. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, you know, when you look at like, you know, you look at Khan. I mean, Khan, of course, peer, uh, um, appeared in the episode was... Um, Space Seed, wasn't it? Space Seed, was in, yeah. in the original series. And, of course, Mottlebond played Khan in that. Um, mm-hmm. But what's 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 Khan's backstory? Uh, well, he was one of the... Uh, when they were doing eugenics back in the day... And they had kind of made him. He was a. He, they took a, a combination of uh, the DNA of all these conquerors mm. and infused it and made children out of them, but also gave them all the. They made them stronger, more endurance. They they were, uh, you know, they they probably they could fight more most diseases at the time. Mm. They were, you know, smarter. You know, they all had photographic memory. They could learn quickly, which is a reason why they knew how to run the ship. Yeah. Just like that. Because yeah. they they had all that knowledge prior and they retain it and they learn, you know, like that's their brain. They they can yeah, you know, they know all those things quickly and they retain that that information. And so they're all enhanced that way, even though they look like Chippendale dancers. Yeah. For a good reason. I mean the other um, the other key character in this is Ricardo Mottlebond's mullet, that hair. Oh, the mullet is great. That thing is layered. It's permed. Oh There's gosh, texture the going on there, great. and his chest that he is ripped. Oh, that ch- I need that chest <laughs> so I can put it on t- tender and I can get more women. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, oh, look at that. Look at that. I mean, I would walk around dressed like Khan if I had a chest like that. Just that exactly. open. I, of course. You know, of course. Of course. <laughs> of course you would. Of course. And that was the other thing, too. Like, when they when they created these supermen, as they called them, they wound up taking over. Yeah. They conquered where they were and, and you know, murdered people that, you know, took over. Because you, what are you, dummies, when you put that kind yeah. of DNA together? Oh, nothing bad could ever happen. Cause yeah, nothing bad could happen. Messing you know, around not, with genetics yeah. always ends yeah. well. Always. Yeah, that's, yeah sure. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be fine. It's all great. And I love the fact that the the stranded their ship the stranded is the SS Botany Bay. That's yes. such a great that that's I love that, and that's the thing actually I think. Botany Bay. Yeah, that moment. That, that. that that moment, and like, I know we spoke about this yesterday, but like Chekhov's character in this. Yes. Um, for a long, you know, for a big section of this, he's the villain in this in in this piece. Yeah, he is. Um, and that. You get quite, you know, we're in body horror territory here when he puts the, um, the, the eel, the baby eel into yeah, his That's not a it... regular, uh, Star Trek thing like that. No. That's not something we saw on the show. Like, and it, and his ears bleeding and he, and they screaming. Yeah. It's like, oh my God. They, oh, that gave me the chill as a child. I had to close my eyes it's when a... that scene would come up. I hated it. You know, but it shows, I think it highlights. And Muttlebon is so brilliant in that scene. Yeah, brilliant in there because you. As he's l- telling you yeah. where they got it from, like it killed, you know, it killed a bunch of his people, including his wife. Like, and he's saying it in such a way that you can hear the pain and the anger from it. Yeah, because he's not an unsympathetic villain. No. He's not an unsympathetic villain because obviously, no. you know, in in the the space scene episode, they stranded them, didn't they? They stranded them. Mm-hmm. They sent them into exile, and then the... and, and you should have checked on them. It's like, why didn't yeah. you check on them? That's... Yeah, yeah, and like the planet... that's a Trek thing too. Like they do that in other, you know, that's a that's a Trek problem. <laughs> when they go, when they have some of these adventures, they don't go back to check. Yeah. I suppose nobody's keeping a list. Nobody's keeping a list for you to go, but I, you know, like, and I guess that reminds you of how big space is, right? It's yeah. such a huge space that they even forgot they were there. <laughs> well, a good reason because they yeah. had a solar flood, uh, you know, the sun blew went yeah. crazy. And it's the but, fact that they kind of forget, like, and then they mistake this, they get the planets wrong. Yeah, they totally got it wrong. Because it totally changed, and they, it's like, damn, maybe you should have took them to prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, it's and it's you know, it's such a great you know, the whole setup for it and the 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 look of that planet, with the with the dust and the storms mm-hmm. and the way in which the like Khan and and his surviving survivors appear out of the dust, and you can see the panic on Chekhov's face. Um, oh my god when it hits yeah it's, it's like it's such a good scene because he's like we gotta go we gotta go we gotta go he says when he says damn and he mouths it yeah says, damn. and uh Terrell Captain Terrell is like what what are you talking about what's the problem yeah 
Like, I'm only the captain. Yeah. You don't think I need to know? <laughs> and, you know, there's that great moment as well where Khan picks Chekhov up with one hand. Oh, with ease. With ease. And he's even yeah. in his spacesuit and he's holding him there. Mm-hmm. He's holding him there. And it's it's he's just... Ricardo Mottlebon in this is magnificent as Khan. He's oh, absolutely Brilliant. And they had to build it because they knew we were not going to see them have a physical fight, right? So yeah. you, how do you, and you don't even think about that either, but it's true. There's never a physical fight in this. No, no, there's not. There's not. There's, there's none of, this is all a, a thing of, of wits. This is, this is, you know, this is a military fight. Yeah. Oh God. And I mean, I think the, the best way to like kind of describe this is you've got almost the scenes between the, the the reliant and the enterprise it's like two giant sort of ga- uh, galleons yeah. going at it so sort of giant yeah. spanish galleons sort mm-hmm. of exchanging yep. broadsides with each other yeah. and the, it's just you know that opening the, the opening battle with the reliant you know that's the, the, the sort of sneak attack from khan in the reliant is perfect the tension that is built. And he played on, and it also showed how smart Khan was because he played, he's, he's dealt with Kirk before, which the thing I loved about this movie was when they showed this movie uh, in the States, what they did was before the movie dropped on the weekend, they did a hour and a half re-thing, re-master uh, of uh, Death Seed. Right. Uh, and so... You got to rewatch it on on TV. You got to rewatch that episode along with extra behind the scenes stuff. Oh, that's awesome! About the mo- oh, am I when like I like a pig in uh, crap, as they say. You can say shit, and you you were completely weapons free. Oh, like a pig in shit. <laughs> yes, I was. I was rolling in it because it was. I was watching that. No, and my mother was already tell you know already told me we're gonna go see it. Oh. And and that's the days where you couldn't just say I'm gonna go. See, we're gonna go see it, and I because I already bought it on my phone. Yeah. No, you had to go. We had to go early in the morning and stand online so we don't be. You know, we're not staying around the corner for the theater to open. And so you got to see all of that, and it was recolored and the whole thing. Yeah. And so that let you know, you know, like you got the fight. They they showed you that this is this is what he did. This is what you know that the battle that they had. Mm. And then, so for the movie, but you don't know that. But for the movie, it's like they will never be in the room with each other again. Yeah, like they're, you're not going to see that. And that's such a clever, clever ploy, isn't it? Yeah, that's such a clever ploy, and and. It is the battle of wits, isn't it? It's the battle of brain. You know, Definitely. You know, and sort of Khan is sort of, he's completely blinded by his hatred of Kirk. And he just wants, he just wants to destroy him. Yeah. In any way he can. Him. In any mm-hmm. way he can. But Kirk is, you know, he's, you know, there is William Shatner's performance. There's a twinkle in his eye throughout the whole yeah. thing. They and they're both ego, the egomaniacs. They're both. They yeah. both have that. And Khan knew it. Khan knew that he would be. He would have his guard down because it's a Federation ship, 
right? Yeah. So he he just knew that he his ego he would he would be caught with his pants down. He he wouldn't think that the ship would attack him, right? He yeah. thinks the Federation yeah. is great, everything's great. There'd be no no problems, right? He knew it. He knew it from just from that. And this is he hadn't seen this man in over twenty something, thirty something years. Yeah. yeah. And he knew they knew each other that that well already that he calculated he would do this. And and even when Savick tried to remind him, yes, you know about regulations, and Spock like you know uh, 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 don't do that. That's not. That's not what we do. To, to the, this is this is this is Mother F and Kirk. We don't we don't do this. Mind you, this is such a play on. If this was forty years ago, fifty years ago, yeah, Spock would have been the person going. Regulation says, yeah, and it's the development of those characters, though, isn't yeah. it? And it's the develop. I think for me, one of the things that I really love about this is the development of the relationship between mm-hmm. all the characters in this. And yeah, when, and they like, know each other. And it's like, even though this is where we get like all those Star Trek beats, you've yeah. got McCoy and being totally flabbergasted with Spock. Mm-hmm. You've got, but then you've got Spock, you know, reminding Kirk that he, do, he doesn't have any ego and that Kirk no. is the total ego. <laughs> Oh, he's a complete ego. You know, and essentially that. he's poked in for the first half of this, you know, for the, for the beginning of this. Yeah, film. he's pouting. He is poked in because he is, you know, he, he's no longer in charge of yeah. his shit. And, and he, McCoy, he's and I love that McCoy, like always, is the guy that the person on the ship that could say to him when he needs a kick in the ass. Yeah. He gives it to him. Yeah. I mean,. What I love about this, and I remember seeing it and getting really almost freaked out at the beginning of this, is where you get the simu- what turns out to be a simulation, yeah, and you see everybody it, yeah. dying. Yeah, and it's like, like oh my what? god, what, what's happening? Oh my god, what's going on? They blow- so they destroyed the Enterprise. Oh my god, what's left? Is that the first? And then he had to get, and then you think, oh no, then and then Kirk has to get vengeance. Yeah, yeah, and then the doors open. And the lighting, it's like he's almost sort of messianic, isn't he, Kirk, walking into the Oh, he's a legend, yeah. That lighting is just... Yeah, they they make it so that he comes out of that and it's just that soliloquy of of just his body, just the confidence that's just coming off this dude. Yeah. He's just just taking his dick and he's just throwing it over his shoulder. (laughs) Okay, like that's that's how he walks in the room. Just swinging his dick. He's just swinging it like that's, you know, that's what he does. And he comes in that room and he's like, you know, oh, no, no, no. Knowing what he did in this simulation. Well, and that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's that sort of knowing that because obviously they took this. This is the infamous Kobayashi Maru. Right. That we uh, never got to see. Yeah. Yeah. And then nobody got nobody got to see, but nobody sort of at this point realized how he'd managed to beat this. Right. You know, it's 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 sort of legendary, isn't it? You know, he's the only person who has ever beaten it, um, and and of course he cheated, yeah, <laughs> because Kirk cheats, yeah, and actually, and then it's it's almost like, and again, this is one of the things that I love about the story of this. The whole thing comes full circle, mm-hmm. where you get this great scene between Kirk and his son David, 
Yeah. Um, where they talk about um, him never having to face death. And he says about um, having cheated death his entire life. You know, mm-hmm. he's found a way out of it. And it's true. Because actually, out of all of the scrapes, they never, re- you know, they never lost a main character. No, and the only thing I would say he he that they would I, I the only thing in my head that's wrong and this is only because I'm you know you, when you're that guy you watch you you watch all these things you, you you can't help but remember he did lose his best friend. Remember yeah. when they had to early in the in the beginning it was the beginning episode. Yes. Um, uh, Gary, I think his name was wasn't it Gary, or was it somebody? I can't think of what it was, but the guy he he was he was his second in command over Kirk at that yeah for the in that episode, and he winds up getting uh, hit with those godlike powers, and then he had to be taken out, and he and he couldn't save his friend, and he dies. Yeah, like that's the only time that he lost a friend like that. Yeah, yeah, I rem- yeah I can, I can remember the episode now. Um, but what's really sad is the actor who played uh, plays David is uh, Merritt uh, Buttrick. Um, he passed away in 1989. Yeah, that that yeah. And I know him from something else he did too. Um, he... There's something on TV he had done prior, and that's when I I knew him from that first. He sort of because because he he's back in Star Trek Three as well, isn't he? Right. In the search for Spock. Right. Um. But yeah, he you know he uh, from the dead at night. A lot of TV movies, so the dead on a, uh from the dead at night and TV. Um, he was in Death Spa as well. Have you ever come across Death Spa? Which I probably have. Just one of those magnificently bizarre, yeah, <laughs> steaming piles of shit that are so bad that it's so uh, good. Yeah, it yeah. is just it's it's a terrible film, but it's just so silly. It's brilliant. It's brilliant, and it just makes no sense. Oh no! But it's great. It's it's absolutely great. But yeah, I you know it's just like because you you kind of disappeared. You didn't. You don't think about what happened to him. But then you sort of look back, and yeah, he he passed away. He was really young, really. Yeah, uh, I think he was only twenty nine, and he yeah when he died of AIDS. Yeah, just just so sad, just so sad. But that scene between them is really good. It is like this, and 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 on top of this, like there's so many boom bombs dropped in this movie, right? Yeah, like, you have a son. Yeah, when did that happen? What? I'm surprised there's not more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have a son. You cheated to get to you, you, to do this uh, to pass this test. This is what the test is. Like, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. You're not even a captain anymore. Yeah, like what? I mean it's... the. The other thing I just blows me away is James Horner's score. Oh my God, it's so good. The music to this, the score for this mm-hmm. is sensational. Yeah, Khan, like Khan's theme music. Yeah. It's like, dun, dun, dun. Like it has that, it, it even feels like it has that conqueror. Yeah. Kind of like you are a throwback to a time in history where, yeah, yeah, like it, 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 it feels that way. And then there's that, you know, that cinematic song of hope, yeah. you know, also when you, when, 
you know, they get to that point where, and he's, they repeat it certain times, like when he, when they find out that he lied and yeah. <laughs> that it was all in code and that the ship was, you know, that they got the ship fixed yeah. for the most part. The, you know, then also when he's reflecting and talking to his uh, baby mama yeah, <laughs> at, on the bridge and they're looking at Genesis and it's, and he's feeling that emotion. Like he's yeah. almost in tears as he's reflecting on his friend and what he was trying to, he just got what his friend was trying to tell him. Yes. Um, and it's just hope. Like, even though it's such a sad moment, it's just that, but then that the music comes and it's like that ray of, you know, like even in this loss, there is still hope in yeah. what we could achieve. Right. Like yeah. there's, those moments and throughout the movie where it, you know, it has that, like the love of those, you know, those, the, that crew, how they loved each other, you know, the, the friendships that they have. Yeah. Like yeah. those moments, man, it, like those, those are the kind of things that you, you know, you, when you're sitting there watching a movie, if you hear that music at all, it all, all those emotions come to you just yeah. from, just from hearing the music now. Yeah. And I mean, the, I mean, Jerry Goldsmith did the original, the, the music for the motion picture, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's probably like one of the one of the strongest elements of the motion picture. Oh, for that, sure, that, that score is oh, just it's great, stunning. It's absolutely yeah. stunning. But James Horner's like um, music for this in these in, in these battle scenes, it's 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 it's, it's, it's sort of quite nautical. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 sort of like. Um, I think the best way to somebody described it as um, hornblower in space. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, I, I think know. that's a great description. And I know, like, uh, I know, like, people. You know, I think Roddenberry himself talked about, like, sort of his, you know, hornblower was um, was quite a big inspiration for him. For people who don't know what I'm uh, banging on about, um, uh, Horatio Hornblower is a character created by C.S. Forrester. Um, and I struggled there because it's on my shelf and I couldn't quite see it. Uh, and I haven't got my glasses on. <laughs> oh, you got to put your glasses got, on yeah. too. Oh, God. I'm at that stage now where I'm moving things closer and then I'm moving Join things the club. away. It's just like, Join the club. oh, come on. Or if I'm watching television in the bedroom, it's like, Louise, what does that say? <laughs> or you got to read your medication. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, come on, old man, put your glasses on. Oh. But yeah, so Hornblower was by uh, C.S. Forrester, and basically, it's it's you know it's a series of like um, naval stories set during like the Napoleonic War, and Roddenberry was a big fan of it. And I know William Shatner talked about basing lots of like some like early Kirk on Hornblower, that sort of that kind of that that was a part of his inspiration for it, um, and that's what we get here as well, mm-hmm. particularly for the second battle. With um, where you know they've the ship's repaired and they're ready for it, and they're yeah. loading their torpedoes and those kind of kind of things, and it's almost this like they're running the guns out. Yeah, it is, and it, it, this is when you you could see it in in his face, like in his in his body, he's alive now. Like yeah. even though they're dealing with a planet destroying threat, yes, this is where he thrives. Like this is this is when he's. This is what uh, McCoy was talking about. You you know you want to be on that on that you be in that chair. Yeah. And not uh, you know, 
collecting dust. Yes. Well, yeah, and, and it's like that, that thing, though, isn't it? That he is, you know, like you said, at the beginning of this film, he he is really, really unhappy. Yeah. Because he's not, you know, he, because, he, you know, essentially he thinks it's over for him. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's about, and he's sort of recognising his age and that all the crew were reaching a certain point in their age. Um, you yeah, know. your youngest, uh, your youngest uh, crew member is is a second in command of a ship now. I mean, yeah, like it doesn't get any more old man than that. He was a he was a youngin. Like, yeah, he, he was he was your he was your young cadet, and now he's doing that. It's like yeah, I, it really hits you and how. I think they did that on purpose too, like yeah. oh, to show yeah. that. Oh yeah. You know, you know when your youngest moves on, <laughs> like yeah. he's 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 going a command path. It's like what? It's you know, it, and it, and I mean, sort of. I mean, I'm a I I love I, I enjoy Star Trek. I really enjoy Star Trek. Um, I would never describe myself as being sort of, you know, having having a, a depth of knowledge or anything like that, but. It's really interesting that when you come back and you revisit these films, that 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 sort of wave of nostalgia that you get, and particularly with this one, and that oh, suddenly sure. you find yourself going, "Oh, do you know what? I I I could easily sit down and watch the series, watch the original series again," or yeah. you know, and then you you know, you go back and you start watching Next Generation mm-hmm. or DS Nine or Voyager or Discovery. You know, you get into that, you you're into that again. You're and you it, it's sort of like that world sort of is very easy to step back into. It, it is. It really is. I love it. Yeah. Like I, I, I do. I, I'm wearing a Star Trek shirt now and not because we were recording, but just because I have like 20 of these yeah. Star Trek shirts. Um, but yes, it is, it is something that I, you know, like I got into this, my mother, uh, this is something we would watch on Saturdays you know, to have dinner, to be our thing. Mm. We, we, we'd watch an episode while we're eating. Uh, and she got me in it. And once I got a taste, <laughs> that was yeah. it. Like it, and then you had to, you know, then there was no movies and, you know, I had books and, you know, I would, then she said, you know, she took me to the library and, and introduced me to that. The novels, even you think this, the TV shows give you a taste, the novels get you high. It is so much. They add so much information to the world. Even to, I love reading adaptions of of movies as well because that's how you get all that stuff, right? The savage stuff. The you know, you find out about her and Jace. You know, and her and uh, later on, you know, David. Her and David. Yeah. uh, They have their relations. You know, spoilers. Um, but yes, it just opens up the world and, you know, and they, they pull from the books too. Like they, they, they add to it, they pull from it. I'm so glad now that even with the, you know, the newer Trek shows, they've kind of understood how important the novels have been to keeping fandom, uh, into this Mm. bringing and bringing, uh, new people in by having that available, um, that now they have a closer synergy now where the novels 
death basically are in canon. It's actually, you know, like the, the novelists who write are actually talking to the people doing the shows. Mm. So they, they get it. They get how, how this, cause this is what it is. It's about having this, this total universe, how, how much fun it is to, to come back to this universe or how much fun it is for someone new to just jump in to this universe, knowing that there's so much, yeah. Also in, involved in this. And then you at your leisure, <laughs> if yeah. you want, you have access to it. Like that's what's so great about the, you know, the streaming and the, you know, when they have DVDs and, you know, all the all those things that allow people to to um to go and and watch these things, like watching Space Seed, like that it, it added so much to this to have to watch Space Seed before going to see this movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's... And the other thing as well, which it's sort of... I remember being a kid and watching it and going, mm. the uniforms are different. Yes, everything, yeah. And it's sort of being sort of... The action element to it is is far greater than... than it sort of sets the bar, doesn't it? And I mm-hmm. think, you know, I think some of the most successful and, you know, tell me if I'm wrong... But I think some of the most successful of the original movies is where the action is much greater. Because I think, you know, when we get to like a few a few of them, like the Voyage Home, it's got great moments in it, but it does dip. And like um, the Final Front, um, what's the one where, he, where they, they were God? Um, is the final? Oh, Undiscovered uh, Country. Undiscovered Country. Yeah. That you know that that it dips a little bit. But then when we get to, you know, where we get to the sort of um, the more action-packed stuff, it I think for the casual fan, mm-hmm. that's where you can sort of, you get back, you know, people can get into it. Oh, yeah. You look at uh, the one that was the most successful of the TNG movies uh, were definitely First Contact. Yes. You know, like they did. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, you look at, um, you even look at the strength of the two parters that kind of developed in Star Trek after a while. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course they have the, they have the action in it. Like they're, that's definitely, uh, it's book. And that's the other thing too. It's like, I don't look, I never look at any of my fandom as perfect. It's yeah. always something in, in, in that, that uh, changes as it goes. That that's just what Star Trek does, um, and so it's there are so many things they have changed, like Klingons. Yes, they look slightly different. They look slightly different, <laughs> just like with the show, right? Just a little bit. Yeah, just like with the with the way that they had, where at first every ship had its own insignia. Yeah, and then they totally change it. And don't tell you why. Yeah. Until the books. They tell you why in the books. But that's just because they are allowed to just throw in, you know, you can explain it if you want because we're never going to talk about it on, on the show. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, that's the fun stuff about it. Like, sure, sure. That's, you know, and they learn what, and they go by, you know, what the fans uh, gravitate towards and they give you more. That, you know, that episode, I'm sure they had people talking about the episode um, with Leonard, uh, what was it? Leonard Kirk? 
when he played a Romulan. Yeah, yeah. And they had that that episode where it was it was just like this in terms of just two men with honor, enemies. Yeah, very similar, but because of you know because of fate, they're they're on the other you know they're enemies and they never they will in the episode they never get a chance to meet but they you know it's a test of wills and yes and and, and I, I'm sure people went you know they looked at those episodes and and said we should go with this we should do something similar to this yeah. Because originally, I think in one of the drafts for the second film, they started with Khan and mm-hmm. then other writers came in and then they got rid of that story. And then yeah. they had two other aliens that they were going to use that they just could not work. And then they brought another no. writer in and that's where Khan came back into it. And that's where they developed it. Yeah, they want. Yeah, I think they realized you you want someone that's one on one with Kirk. Yeah, because that's what works. Like someone who is just as smart and cunning and deadly as Kirk is. Yeah, yeah. And you put them on this on same on the same footing. Yeah, and you can get something exciting on screen. Now, the one thing I noticed in this one is the body count is fairly high. Very much so. It, the body count is real, and there are some fairly grisly deaths in this. Oh yeah, we even lose a family member of one of the uh, the main crew, Scotty's nephew. Which they in the if you watch the extended version, you get more of yeah. of the story with his nephew than you do with the theatrical cut. The the eponymous Peter Preston. Yeah, the uh, one who didn't run. Yeah, when everyone else did. Yeah, he stayed at his post. Stayed and that, at his post. And. The fact that he, you know, Scotty carries him onto the bridge. Yeah, because you and the you go when you think about it after a while, you go, Scotty, that's not the med yeah. lab. Like, why did you bring him all the way to the bridge as opposed to taking him down to uh, to McCoy? But you don't get like there's certain things like why did they react that way to him when everybody's been dying yeah. all over the place? But they acted. There was a more of an emotional response yeah and then when you see the um the extended cut you get a little bit more of that you know like oh of course they loved scotty and this is his nephew and you know these are legends on this on this they're teachers right this yeah. is that's the other thing that you get with this too they're only the the, on, the only uh, uh senior officers on the ship are are you know our favorites and they're teachers. That's yeah. why the only reason why they're on the ship is because they're teachers. Yeah. For these cadets. Everyone else is cadets. They've never been in battle tested before. And if it wasn't for the fact that Kirk decided that he wanted to take the ship out for a bit of a joyride. Yeah. None of this would have happened. None of it would have happened. It would have been another ship. Probably would have took <laughs> Khan probably would have took them out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh you know, because he would have acted differently. You know, yeah. he wouldn't have went to Earth and been like, I'm going to come to Earth and attack. No, he's not he's not dumb enough to do that, but he would have had the capability of, you know, of probably duplicating that because they are smart. Like, imagine if he had duplicated that and created a bunch of, yeah. uh, you know, other photon torpedoes with that. With the Genesis, power. yeah. Yeah. 
Because it would have definitely been a weapon. That's what McCoy was trying to say. Like, when you build something, we are playing God. When you build something like that, yeah, it's great to have something that would create a a planet full of vegetation and life for, for races that don't have a place to go. But if it gets into the wrong hands, it becomes it it, it becomes a, a weapon that can that has the potential to commit genocide. Yeah, yeah. And what's interesting in this as well is Khan commits, you know, mass murder in this. Yeah. Where, you know, they, you know, when they beam aboard the space station where the, where the you know, Genesis they think is being kept and Khan slaughtered the crew and hung them all upside down. It's like... And and the rest, he, remember he said he, in the rest he left on the planet. Yeah. He left on the Reliant. Yeah. Yeah. So he wanted information, but the, it's that's the thing with him, the two-dimensional thinking with him. He can be ruthless in one point and then show mercy in another. Like, leave them on that planet. He could have killed everybody. Yeah. But he didn't. He left them on the planet instead of killing them. And then at the same time, he, he tortured those other crew members. Yeah. Those scientists. He tortured those scientists just to get that weapon. And yes. Then, yeah, so it's like, that's the thing with it. it, it, it you go back and forth with him on, like, it, he's not that bad, but then you turn around, it's like, but he, <laughs> oh, well, never mind. He just slaughtered a whole yeah. bunch of people. And it's like, he's a genius, and then he's completely, yeah. and then he's like, no, charge ahead. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, he's a genius, and then at the other, but then he also does stupid things. Just blinded by rage. Blinded by rage and ego. And the other thing we get in this is we get some phenomenal lines. We get oh some of the God. best lines. And my favorite one, everybody everybody automatically jumps straight to Khan. Yeah, yeah. Everybody goes to that. But my favorite line is where Khan says, Buried alive. Yeah. It's it's just so theatrical. There's so many things like uh galloping around the cosmos is a game for the young doctor. Yes. Like there's uh you know, there's it's just, just there's just so many like quick witted uh I'm almost afraid to you know, when he gives him the the, the glasses before he says it, he's like yeah. uh he says open it, he's like, I'm almost afraid to. What is it, a Klingon aphrodisiac? Yeah. <laughs> uh you know, like it just so many, and you know, just so many lines. Yeah. This is City Alpha Five, and it's you know like that. Yeah. And angry. It's th- that that moment where Khan sets off the Genesis. Yeah. And he says, you know, from hell's, you know, uh, from hell's heart, I stab at thee, which which of course is is Moby Dick. Yeah. Um, and I that's know. that's the thing with this. That's what this. Yeah. With Trek, there's there's loads. There's loads of references to, to to literature in it. You know, you got uh, that's Kirk. I mean, that's Star Trek too, right? That, yeah, that's that's also another thing that continues to be a thing. You know, Trek pulls a lot from. I think the thing that makes Trek different from Star Wars, not to be one more better than the other, but they're different in terms of Trek pulls from from social you know from real life it mm. pulls from real history it, it 
you know, the, it's social commentary. That's what we do. Anybody that says, uh, you know, Trek isn't political. You need to just go home and uh, go rewatch a whole bunch of shifts. Yeah. Episodes. Or just look at all the look at interviews with uh, the creator of the show, Roddenberry, and he'll let you know all of it was, you know, they dealt with what was happening in Vietnam. They Mm. dealt with the civil rights movement. They like Trek has always been that. That's why Trek always changes because it changes with the times and that, you know, like that's a thing that one of the many things that I've always loved about Trek and all the different incarnations, every incarnation comes from, you know, the time that we're in Mm. and it reflects it. Yeah. And, but you also, there are also dynamics that are constant in Trek that go with every show, but it also gets, you know, but it also, uh, uh, changes also with, with, uh, what happens to, to in the world, you know, and then you have writers that are working on this show that are in, that were children that grew up working, watching the other incarnations of the show. And then they, you know, like it's all there. Like these quotes. Yeah. These quotes to this day, me and my other stupid friend, uh, (laughs) JK, who, you know, grew up watching this thing like I did. And then, you know, grew up to be actually an artist that could work on Trek comics and stuff and these you know like that's another one the dream come true right yeah living the dream living the dream and so we i could hit him with a quote and we do this randomly like randomly i could hit him at midnight and and start (laughs) the quote and text it to him and he will go he will respond exactly with the with the the next line that's what we do that's awesome and don't get us at a bar (laughs) because <laughs> we start up, it's done, and everybody's looking around and it's like, "What are they talking about?" <laughs> Different language. Uh, yeah, we're talking. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Only Trek. Yeah, you can find the other Trek people in the room because they go. <gasps> do they send? Do they send like a peer like Mia Cats? Yeah, from the other side of the bar and start yeah. sort of. Uh... It's like what? <laughs> That's how you find your other people. You're my people. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I love it. Like these quotes, like Trek quotes, man, every movie, every Trek film, you can find at least 20 quotes. What's your favorite quote from this? Ooh. Well, the needs of the many. Oh. That, that, those quotes, because you don't know what the price that's going to be paid. Yeah. It just, it winds up being just a line at first, right? Which yeah. you don't know it's the foreshadowing of what you're, what's going to happen. Uh, that always sticks with me because I, I'll never forget that death. So, right. So, let's talk about the giant Vulcan elephant in the room. Yeah. Oh my gosh! The death. Oh, now, that just blew gonna, me, destroyed me. I'm gonna be honest with you. I did get a little bit of mosh watching this one when he a died. Little. Well, it was there was that moment where he sort of, you know, where he's when he realizes what he's done. Yes. And he tr- and they and they they're holding him back, and he says he's already dead. He's already dead. He's, like that, just the tone of it. It's yeah. like lost our friend. He's already you know, dead. Th- in terms of like one of the giant, because because Leonard Nimoy originally didn't want to come back. No, 
now this is what they had to do to to get him back you know and you know they gave him because originally in one of the drafts he dies much earlier in the film yeah mm-hmm. he dies much much earlier and then it's, it's sort of like almost like a revenge thing but then they moved it and i think by moving it it gives this film a real it, there's real there's a real punch to it there's a real dramatic and punch it, and it's and it's also an um, it's also like if your friend dies for you, there's no other gift that your friend could ever do for you yeah than to give his life for you right like there's no other and then you understand why that camaraderie that uh you see people that have served in the military have for each other yeah yeah because there's nothing more noble than that like just nothing <laughs> right like there's yeah like to give that gift to that crew like he 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 didn't he to give that gift to that crew without even thinking about it like when you when you see spock like when he read because spock is also a super genius and he's 20 steps ahead yeah and he realizes there's no way we're gonna get out of this once he's activated genesis unless I do this certain thing I need, I know I have to do. Right. Yeah. So when he does that step up, when he, when he does that and look and he just, he gives a glance at the, at the, you know, that the, uh, the bridge, one quick glance. It's yeah. just, it's so quick. And it's like, he, cause he does, cause he knows he's not coming back. Yeah. And that's a gut punch. When you, when you watch the movie again, that's the thing with this movie too. You watch it the first time and you don't know it's coming. Yeah. Yeah, it hits you. And I watched it back in the olden days in the movie theater, where you could stay in the movie theater without having to go buy another ticket. You could just stay there and watch it again yeah. and again and again. And I know my mother loved me because <laughs> she let me watch multiple watchings of this in one setting. And I, <laughs> that that is a that is a mother's love right there. Because <laughs> I'm sure there were other better things that she could have done that day. <laughs> Uh, then sit there while this fool is sitting there uh, gaping at the same movie for the third time <laughs> or whatever. Uh, but yes, that when you watch it a second time and then you see all those reactions and you, and then you notice, wait a minute, like, like, and I had forgotten when I first saw it, I didn't remember that he said when he, when he melded with McCoy. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't remember that because I just was so into the movie that you like certain things you miss. And what clever writing though to set it up for the third one. Yeah. What clever. Yeah. What a clever thing to do. So clever. But like, yeah. who would have even thought that that was going to be something meaningful besides he just sent him a message or something? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that, in terms of like on-screen deaths within any kind of film film franchise. That death is is right up there. Oh, it's, it, for sure. It's right up there with them, and Shatner's performance. You know, because obviously people took, again. You know, they took, you know chewing the scenery and those kind. His performance in that is really good, and so is Nimoy's. It's oh, such sure. a great. And one of the other things that I love about this, despite that, you see, you know, uh, McCoy calling uh, Spock, you know, inhuman. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> he still cares about him. Oh, they're brothers. That's why they say these things to each other. You know, because the, the yeah. you know the ding dong that they have 
mm-hmm. is great when they're talking because, about Genesis. Exactly, because the the thing about these two these two men is they've served so long and they've you know they've risked their lives for each other and literally saved each other's lives more than once if you've watched the series. Yeah. So these things you could say to each other as brothers, as family, that you you know you don't say to other people, but you damn sure say it to your to your brothers. You know you do. You say you 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 say that to yeah. your family. Yeah. It's true, and you can and you can do that. You yeah. can do that. You it's a shorthand. You can, you can say that kind of stuff, and that's how they reacted with each other. That's how they, they uh, talked. And on bridge, the way that Kirk and Spock are with each other, it's almost like they read each other's minds because when he calls up the codes, yeah, like when he says bring it up, he doesn't even have to explain to Spock what's gonna what he's doing. No. Spock's already got it. Yeah. And that scene is played so well. Yes. And, you know, Kirk's line, you know, when he delivers, Shatner delivers it and he says, let him have it. It's time to perfection. It's Mm -hmm. absolute, it's just a brilliant, and the tension builds, builds and builds and builds and builds. And and then you get this book and it's it's just brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it is. It's totally. You know, and I totally. you find yourself with this one just getting swept away with it. Mm-hmm. Getting totally, totally swept away with this one. Um so looking at this looking back on this one now, okay. Mm-hmm. Who what is your favorite moment from this? What is your favorite moment out of this one? If you oh, can pick one. Now you're gonna have me you know, that's like saying pick your favorite child. <laughs> It's like okay. Sophie's choice one. all over again. Oh my gosh, that's uh, oof. There's so many moments that are you know memorable with this. You know, like a, again, uh, the, when they're on uh, when they're on the uh, uh, observatory, and you and she's you know telling him about Genesis, and they're having that conversation about you know him and his son, and mm. and. And when he, you know, and when that moment where he, you know, he tells Savick about how he cheated on yeah. Kobayashi Maru, and he's eating that apple, and he's sitting there, and then he, and then he, all of a sudden goes, "Ready?" Yeah, <laughs> he calls Spock, and it's like, "What? What are you talking about? <laughs> you just said the ship was not going to be." And it, you, oh, the music changes. That is such a moment. Uh, one of the, mo- I mean, the the whole conversation with when he first sees Khan mm. after all those years and that, and that scene between those two men is just memorable. I would never forget that, that just the look between those two and there's no love lost there. No, uh, you know, that scene, uh, the scene where McCoy is, is chewing Kirk out for being such a dick yeah. <laughs> on his birthday. <laughs> that is such a wonderful scene to me. Yeah. Like I loved it. The scene when you first uh with with Chekhov and uh and Captain Terrell, uh when they know that, you know, when Chekhov realizes it's Khan. Yeah. The tension in that, like I oh, there's nothing that Terrell's, builds as well as that. 
suicide in this is oh, so yeah. painful. Yeah, he sacrifices himself. And oh. instead of killing, he and he doesn't want to do it. He'd rather kill himself than than uh you know, than kill another another person, another innocent person. Yeah. You know, I, one of my favorite moments in this is where the, the Reliant is they've blasted the Reliant to pieces. Mm-hmm. And Khan reappears all burnt. With that one eye. With the one eye. Yeah. And the hand all smashed up. It's just oh. a oh, it's just brilliant. Oh, he's shaking and, and he, he plays it so well. You know, because the, the, he, he, Ricardo Montalban talked about it. He found it really difficult, first of all, to get back into character. Oh, I bet. To, and he had to go back because he'd been doing Fantasy Island. Oh, that show went on for how long? <laughs> I think it was 300 years. I think it's still playing. Oh, my God. He was on automatic on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like... <laughs> you know, and I mean, it's a great show. It's a great show. But, I mean, in terms of different characters, it's, you know, worlds apart. Worlds, worlds apart. apart. Exactly. And he had to go back and he had to watch uh, the episode. Yeah, I'm sure he did. A couple times to get that. Because he only played this guy one time over how long ago? Like, you know, Shadow's been playing this dude, you know, for years. So yeah. at least he he has more to, to, to fall back on. But yeah, he had played that character in something, 20, you 20, know. 30 years? More than that. You know, and it, and he's a much old, you know, and he's a, you know, he's, they were all getting on a little bit. Yeah. You know. But it's he was uh, self-conscious too. I, I remember he was talking. He was self-conscious about it when they were talking about it coming back to do this. Um, and that's another reason why they didn't want to have like a fight because they didn't want to have some fake, yeah, two different stuntmen that you could tell a stuntman, yeah, yeah, because they, you know they're up in age, so they didn't they didn't want to have this. That was another reason to kind of write it the way they did it because they didn't want to. You know, yeah. they w- didn't want to have some two old guys trying to fight, duking it out, duking it out, right? And having, uh, and having these stunt dudes, just, <laughs> you know, with their because they weren't. It's easy to, you know, back then to, to sim, you know, to have the transition, yeah, from stunt person to, to actual uh, actor back at the time. So there was that. I mean, yeah, I did appreciate Kirk kicking David's ass. Oh yeah, he's I, like it's that's my some, some my son's a bruiser, school, but I'm yeah. still better. It's st- <laughs> some old school self defense being shown oh, there. Oh, sure. He, he, sure. <laughs> he was two steps away from going judo chop, and it's yeah, just he's about the... to knock, yeah, he's about to knock <laughs> that boy on his ass. <laughs> if his mama didn't save him, he was about to get that ass whooped. <laughs> he's definitely about to get that ass whooped. Uh, you know, it's. I think this, like I said, this this is my favorite out of, out of the original Trek ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for you, I suppose again, you know, as you know, being such a fan of them all, do you have a favorite, or is this like you know, or? Wow, it it go. It, that's another thing, though, that for being a fan of something for so long, and as it continues to still be, you know, continue as it continues, you're you you kind of change you know i was in a different place of course when i watched this the first time mm. then i was in a different place when i watched you know like it 
if you'd asked me when I was in my 20s, I'd have told you something different. And yeah. then you asked me in my 30s, and then now you ask me in my 40s, it's even, you know, like, you have so many different experiences that you value things differently because you, you see it through much more mature eyes, even though others would say you, you don't mature. <laughs> um, but you appreciate different things. You, you, there were things that you didn't appreciate. You know, you didn't have that experience, that life experience. I, mm. I, I don't. And so you can appreciate even more like, especially with this movie, the whole thing of losing a friend, you don't, as a, as a young adult or a child, you don't even, you can't even think about losing your friend to death. Mm, right. Yeah. The mortality you, you're going to live forever. Everybody's going to live forever. Of course. Watching it now, because we're all up in age and we, <laughs> you know, we're all having, you know, this pressures up or, you know, all this stuff is going on. You you pull from different things like uh, losing a friend to just natural death. Yeah, is a real thing now. It's a it's much closer to that happening than not. Uh, at this age, so you watch this and and when he's pretty much you know when he's about to when he's teary eyed on that on that. Uh, on the bridge and he's looking out at and, and thinking about his friend. Yeah. It hits you much more now, right? Like it, it's even more of an emotional scene. Yeah. Because you're thinking about it. Like, yes, the people that you're, that you knew who you're friends with, they're going to, yeah, they're, we're all getting up in age. Yeah. There are going to be more deaths as it goes than less. Um, and so, yeah, you, you appreciate it even more. Yeah. I think. And I mean, the eulogy that he gives as well is brilliant. Yeah. The delivery oh, is superb. So it's, good. It's, 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 it's just great. It's, it's, it is wonderful. Now, as we get wrapping this bad boy up, mm-hmm. we do give scores here. One is the worst, 10 is the best. How would you rate this one? Oh, it's 12. <laughs> <laughs> I rate it. No, I can't give it any other score, but that is it's just 12. Yeah, it's it's it, it's up there in it. I mean, it's like a it's, it's it's you know it's a nine for me. I love this film. It is a nine. Um, but like I said, I'm the casual Trek fan. Um, yeah, I'm the nutcase. Yeah, <laughs> committed. I try not to be that guy. Committed. You, you, know, when, you know, I don't. I I love to get people excited about other things too. But you don't want to be that guy that goes. Oh yeah, I thought about you know uh, checking it out, and then you start just rambling off. <laughs> they have no idea what you're talking about, and then you're like, you know what? Never mind. I don't. I don't. I don't want to be into this anymore. <laughs> no, I hate to be that guy. I, I love you know. So yes, I don't want to be the nutcase, but deep down, I am. Now, where can the listeners of the Undead Wookiee find you, my friend? When you are not, uh, when you're not watching Star Trek. Where can they find you? Uh, uh, when I'm not home watching the RV <laughs> channel, because I'm that age now too that I'm doing that. Uh, you can uh, you can check the Taylor Network of podcasts, and uh, I have a Star Trek podcast. Of course, I do. Yes. Like you know, like why in a nutcase like this, you need to get your your you know your nuttiness out somehow. <laughs> um, 
So there's uh, another friend of mine who just is nutty about this as I am. Uh, and, and our show is called Go Trek Yourself. That should tell you how serious it is <laughs> that it's just called Go Trek Yourself. Um, but you can check that out as well as other, you know, podcasts. I have TV podcasts. And uh, yeah, there's other things of when when old guys don't have anything to do. And we just find it. We just look for excuses to talk to each other on Skype. Yeah. We all have podcasts. So this is this is what we do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Essentially. This is what we do. And of course they can find you on Retro Movie Geek. Oh, of course. I see now Joel's gonna do that. <laughs> oh, when you, you go to another show, you don't even want to mention us. <laughs> and he's right. I always forget. I always forget to mention Retro Movie Geek. I'm so sorry. And where can they find you on the internet webs? Uh super highways. <laughs> you can find me on the Twitters. That tells you how old I am too. When I say the Twitters at the voice one two three complaining about almond milk and uh, <laughs> quoting old Star Trek because I'm lactose intolerant. Uh I know. Ladies, any ladies watching is like, oh he's a sounds hot. <laughs> what a dish. This old man. <laughs> uh you could find me. Yeah, you can find me at the voice one two three. Uh, I'm on I'm on the Twitters. I'm a safe Twitterer. I'm not a I'm not a bad guy Twitterer <laughs> like the others. I'm just a I'm just a, a, a goofy fool Twitterer. That's what I am. <laughs> Daryl, my friend, thank you so much for being on. It has been such a pleasure, and I'm so oh, and, and I need to apologize for it's taken so long to get you on the show. Thank you so much for being on. Oh, it, it is definitely my pleasure. I I I am glad you asked. I I enjoy talking about this stuff. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> and like, you know, you've got an open door invitation just to just to just just walk on in anytime you want. Oh, just ask. Just let me know. I just 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 you know, I'm so sad I couldn't go back in time and be on that Highlander one with you guys. Oh, oh you, you I would have loved yeah. it. You would have loved that one. You would have loved oh. that. Yeah. So have to, we'll have to get you and MJ in a room together because you guys will get on a, a house on fire. Oh, my gosh. We'll have to get that on. Daryl, thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. And as always, I want to say a huge thank you to Daryl for being on. Honestly, it's we've waited so long to get him on the show. I am so grateful. Thank you, my friend, for being on. I can't wait for you to join us again. So thank you very much. Okay, up next, we have got What the Wookiee Watched. And first up, we have got Happy Hell Night from 1992. Let's check out the trailer. What happened on that dark night many years ago? What really happened? that man locked up in the asylum? He's the bugs in there, I suppose. Nothing human lives like that. Not for 25 years. Is he really a man? Or is he a ghoul? The town holds 
comes a special night once a year when the kids get to play all sorts of games. What do you know about five Delta brothers being murdered in Winfield Cemetery? What we raised was the personification of evil. What does all that have to do with this inmate? It's here. It's here because of my past. Okay, that was the trailer for Happy Hell Night from 1992. Um, This was directed by Brian Owens. It was written by Michael Fitzpatrick and director Brian Owens, along with Ron Peterson. This stars uh, Larry uh, Robinson, Lisa Nichols, and a very, very young Sam Rockwell. And Ifram Menser also pops up in this. Um, This follows the story of a fraternity hazing prank that goes terribly wrong and a psychotic killer is set loose. Um, This is is a lot of fun. Um, It's currently on release uh, with 88 films and their classic slasher collection. Um, Shot in uh, Bulgaria, I believe. And at times it does use some of its, um, let's say, non-English speaking cast to great effect um, there are some very very interesting shot choices which do you know characters just suddenly appear and then disappear in the same scene <laughs> but it's a lot of fun and the um, the the killer in this one um, is a really really interesting sort of demonic uh, possessed uh, demon um which has some horrific one-liners some awful one-liners <laughs> however this is a lot of fun it's got some really really good moments in it uh, what's very very interesting is in the cast um and sadly he you know he's he's used sparingly because obviously he he does uh, cost quite a bit of money is of course the one the only many of you will remember him from the uh night stalker uh television series series is the awesome darren mcgavin and he does kind of steal the film when he appears because he is just true class um genuinely uh great to see him on the screen um and you can kind of see he's there for the paycheck but he does sort of elevate this above um above your standard fare i really enjoyed this like i said it's got some great moments it's got a really really interesting killer um the cover art actually for the blu-ray is superb 88 films have done a great job releasing this one this is a lot of fun um this certainly is a case of go into this and switch your brain off and just enjoy yourself um i really enjoyed it um uh, for me this is a six out of ten Okay, up next on What the Wookie Watch, we have got Death Ship from 1980. Let's check out the trailer.
Okay, that was the trailer for Death Ship from 1980. Death Ship was directed by Alvin Rakoff. It was written by uh, John Robbins and Jack, based on the story by Jack Hill and David P. Lewis. This has got a superb cast. It has got one of my favourite character actors, or two of them, in fact. It's got the awesome George Kennedy um, in this. It's got Richard Krenner, of course, from the... Rambo films, uh, you've got Nick Mancuso, you've got Sally Ann Howes, Kate Reed, Victoria By- uh, Bergen, uh, Jennifer McKinney, and the wonderful Saul Rubinick, who got mentioned earlier when me and Daryl were talking about uh, one of the awesome episodes that he appeared in uh, as the collector in Star Trek The Next Generation. Great, 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 great character actor. One of his earlier roles here. Now, the story for Death Ship is that a mysterious ghost freighter rams and sinks a modern-day vessel, um, and those who survive climb aboard the freighter only to discover that it's a World War II Nazi torture ship. Um, This is very much the haunted house at sea, um, and it clearly had a lasting impact on a number of filmmakers, including uh, films like uh, Ghost Ship, which I think gets a little bit of stick, unfairly at times. Um, This is a really, really, really good film. Uh, It's got some genuinely creepy moments in it. George Kennedy um, is wonderful as the um, possessed captain 
uh, of the ship. This is a wonderful film. I can't tell you. And, you know, if those of you who remember back in the day when you go to the video store, it has this amazing, amazing VHS cover with this almost like the, 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 the you've got the hand-drawn poster, but the ship with the uh, the mouth and the, the eyes opening wide up looking like this, but to swallow its victims. It's wonderful. Um, I've waited, I don't know how many years to get this. I thoroughly enjoyed this film. Um it's got some really intense moments in it. The acting is great. Some of the lines are a little bit clunky, uh, but the setting is superb and the use of the set is brilliant. And some of the devices that they use to sort of, uh, that the ship sort of ensnares its victims in is wonderful. This is a brilliant film and it's a must see i absolutely love this one and it's something that everyone should have in their horror collection i think you can pick it up on amazon prime um you can pick it up on blu-ray for relatively uh cheap i think it's about you know maybe eight or nine pounds you can pick it up for i, I can't recommend this one enough i'm not gonna give you too many details because i do not want to spoil it but uh, George Kennedy is fantastic. Richard Krenner is brilliant in this. Um, it's got some really, really good moments in it. Um, the blood shower scene, it, it, it goes on a while. <laughs> it goes on a while. Uh, and I would give this one a 7.5 out of 10. So, my friends, uh, this has been the first one back now after a little bit of a couple of weeks off. Uh, so, sorry about that. But we are back and we're up and running and I'm glad to be back. And once again, I want to say an awesome thank you to uh, my wonderful co-host, Daryl Taylor, on this episode. Thank you so much for being on. Uh, we've got, Like I said, we've got some brilliant episodes coming up, so stay tuned for them. And as always, I want to say thank you to everybody who has messaged me recently and everybody who's followed online and everybody who interacts for the show. Don't forget, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram, all at the Undead Wookiee. There ain't many of us around, so there's the, we're the only one, I believe. So thank you ever so much. I, I, I genuinely appreciate all of you. Thank you. And it's all that is left for me to say as our time together draws to an end. In the immortal words of Count Duckula, good night out there, whatever you are.